You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. Coming at you three times a week. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always. Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Uh, Not as well as the Cowboys, apparently, Mm. who just got done with a Monday night shellacking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're recording this here Monday night, getting it ready for release as you're listening to it probably on Tuesday. But that sets up... A fun matchup in the divisional round, Cowboys-Niners for a second straight year. Looking forward to that, but all in all, I'm doing well, Evan. How are you? I'm good, and I'm I'm especially good because, let's be honest, Mark, this is the matchup in the divisional round that everyone wanted, okay? Yeah. Last year, all we could hear is that the 49ers wanted to go to Dallas. The Cowboys wanted the 49ers. The 49ers, of course, ended up winning on the road, fell a little bit short of the Super Bowl, but it was a rivalry renewed. And then another chance this year and back-to-back years to face in the postseason, I think is a beautiful thing because you have two equally passionate, energetic, some might consider rabid fan bases, (laughs) and that may, may be a nice way of putting it. But you also get, in my opinion, the two teams that are the biggest brands and that have stylistically maybe the most dynamic ways of winning football games in the conference outside of Philadelphia. So I think as we're talking about a second round matchup for the 49ers and the Cowboys, this would be the one that I would want to see and that if you're a football fan, you would want to see. Yeah, and it's probably one that the NFL wanted to see for all the reasons you laid out. They're probably going to get big ratings. The game is, and the time is already set. It's Sunday, January 22nd at 3.30 at Levi Stadium. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that there at the bottom of the screen. I think the NFL is extremely happy that the Giants upset the Vikings because that meant that the winner of this Monday night game that we're talking about, Cowboys and Buccaneers, would play the 49ers regardless. And no matter who wins, we're, we're talking Cowboys-Niners. Obviously, that is a gigantic game. Buccaneers-Niners is Tom Brady against his childhood team. That would also be a gigantic game. So I think the NFL uh, sitting pretty once uh, the, the Giants upset uh, the Vikings. And then another thing, as I'm thinking about it right now, not related to, to matchups necessarily, but the four teams left in the NFC, Evan, You have the Eagles taking on the Giants and the Niners taking on the Cowboys. You've got three teams from the NFC East. We talked a lot about how good that division was all year long, and they have three teams in the final four of the NFC. So that that division has certainly proven itself uh, after a fantastic regular season with a really good start to the postseason. So uh, we'll see what the, the rest has in store. But NFC East dominating the NFC right now. Yeah, and to your point, Mark, I think across these entire playoffs, we've seen a common thread, which is cream rises. I think each of the teams that have advanced, some be it slightly, were the better teams in the matchups or were the teams that were playing the best football when the playoffs started. And just going down the line, the 49ers, obviously, who took care of business with a 25-point unanswered second half against Seattle. Even though the Chargers may have had a 27-point lead, Jacksonville was playing much better football entering the postseason. And they, of course, eked out that win on Saturday night. Then on Sunday morning, Skylar Thompson, the Dolphins, gave Buffalo a hell of a fight. But the Bills, I think, were expected to win that game way more than they did and then of course the middle game even though 
I myself was a, maybe not a believer, but a fan of the Vikings this season, the New York Giants. And as you just laid out, the NFC East were the division to beat. And of course, got the victory over Minnesota. And then in the night game, maybe a little bit closer than Bengals fans would have liked against Baltimore. But of course, Joe Burrow pulls out that win for Cincinnati. And then the game here tonight where I think we were both on the same page, maybe didn't see it being as lopsided of a win for Dallas as it ended up being. But I think we both both felt that Dallas had been playing better football, was the better football team and eventually knocked Tom Brady out of the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, we were I mean, obviously, a lot of people talking about this matchup. Um, you kind of have to, I think I mentioned this last episode, uh, you kind of have to forget about everything that Tom Brady has accomplished because you can just so easily say, well, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He can just turn it on in the postseason, no problem. Um, but you have to remember what they put on tape this year, which for the most part was just absolutely horrifying. And uh, that came out again Monday night. Now, on the other side, you think, well, you know, it would also just be classic Cowboys to find a way to to lose this game. I mean, that just kind of fits how they've done things the last, what, 20, 25 years. Um, but they were clearly the better team. I agree with you. I thought it was going to be a lot closer. I did not think that Tampa was really going to put up only six points through any meaningful game action. I guess really zero points through any meaningful game action. Um, until they scored, you know, late to to keep the game alive for a moment before Dallas went down and put the final nail in the coffin. Um, but yeah, certainly the better team won, and it sets up for an interesting matchup uh, come Sunday for the 49ers. Um, but it's, I mean, regardless of of the the outcome of this game Monday night, Evan, we've talked about it a lot leading up to the playoffs except against the the Eagles in a potential NFC title game. The Niners would be favorites and probably relative big favorites against anyone else in the NFC. And, you know, if you're listening Tuesday morning, you can go and see the opening lines. I'm sure the Niners are, are favored by upwards of, what, four, five, six points, something like that against the Cowboys, maybe six. Uh, that's a pretty big number for a divisional round game, um, you know, and I think it's probably – fair because the Niners have just been that good recently. I mean, they won 11 straight games and they were by far the best team in the divisional round or the wild card round. Excuse me. Yeah. It, it is interesting though, Mark, because if you just look at the two teams that had perhaps the most dominating performances, it is the two teams that are facing each other in the divisional round, which would be San Francisco and Dallas. Those to me, and you know, just based on the scores, the most two lopsided games, but also two teams that have it, it's strange to say Brock Purdy is less of a question mark at, at the quarterback position than <laughs> Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott has been in his league for a while, but a lot of people were doubting what Dak would be able to do in the postseason, having only I think one playoff win under his belt. And while Brock Purdy was obviously impressive and historically so throwing for three touchdowns and running for one, Dak Prescott said, hold my beer. I'm going to throw for four <laughs> touchdowns and run for one. So it, it is cool in the sense that you have, you know, maybe San Francisco at home who should be the the favorite. And maybe I would, I, I would set the line probably closer to four than to six, but we'll eventually see what that line becomes. I do think that San Francisco and Dallas are the best two teams that we have seen so far in these playoffs. So excluding Kansas city, excluding Philadelphia, because they both got buys on their side of the bracket. I do think it will make for a very enticing matchup. And of course we're going to dig deeper into the numbers and analytics on our Friday preview episode, but just at first glance, Mark, I'm excited for it to be Dallas Cowboys week, even though they are a hated rival of this San Francisco organization, especially their fan base. Yeah, no, it, it, it should be a really fun week. I agree, um, and, and and we'll see how it all plays out. I, I do think, you know, there was a lot of talk, you know, middle part of the season, you know, the defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons versus Nick Bosa. Obviously, Nick Bosa ran away with it in the end of the year. Uh, Micah Parsons had a really quiet last month of the regular season, at least for his standards, and the Cowboys' defense took a, a few – uh, major shots. They had bad games uh, towards the end of the regular season, 
but that's still a quality defense that a lot of people were talking about as on par with the 49ers for a lot of the year. Um, not only just Micah Parsons, but the defense as a whole. Now they have had some injuries. They're they're pretty, you know, limited in their secondary. They have some injuries there. Um, and we'll obviously dive way more into the matchups and into where the Niners can exploit that defense. Um, but it's easy to forget how dominant that defense was in the early part of the season. We talked about the Niners playing with multiple quarterbacks in situations they might not like. Uh, do you remember when Dak Prescott went down early in the season? And that defense helped carry them to wins without their starting quarterback. So this what is a mean? really Cooper Rush. <laughs> do you remember the discussion? What yes. after his second win, whenever we're like, do. <laughs> should they even go back to Dak? Yeah, oh my I do. God. Such a just absolutely <laughs> incredibly dumb discussion. Hey, I, I myself have, have been a prisoner of the moment, Mark. However, <laughs> I do not think I was that far in the dungeon to be shackled by the redheaded rifle that is Cooper Rush. I'm glad because if you were part of that conversation, I might just have to quit this podcast. That's how dumb that discussion was. <laughs> but anyway, my point is there was, for a, a, a large portion of this regular season, a lot of talk about how elite this Cowboys defense was. Um, and yeah, they've had some bad weeks, uh, but I guess the get right game is just play 45-year-old Tom Brady who suddenly can't figure out who to throw the ball to. Um, and maybe that carries over into Sunday against the Niners. Maybe it doesn't. We will see. The Niners are certainly a much better offense than Tampa Bay. But you give an elite group of players like the Cowboys defense uh, a good game. They start feeling better about themselves. Who knows what that could do for a team's confidence. Uh, we'll see how it plays out Sunday. I will say, though, and I, I mentioned at the end of last episode, the Niners have a two-day rest advantage. And that is huge. It's unfortunate for Dallas that they had to play on Monday and they're playing a team who played on Saturday. It's gigantic news for the 49ers. Um, and that might be a reason why they are big favorites to win this game, in my opinion, because they have two extra days off. You cannot, uh, I don't know, make up for something like that at this point of the season. It is a huge advantage. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, but the Niners, uh, regardless of who they were going to play this this weekend, should have, a pr should have a pretty good chance to win. And that doesn't change with Dallas for me, despite the fact that they're probably – they're certainly the tougher matchup between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys for the 49ers. Yeah, I think they are a tougher test. And also, I mean, along your points of having losing, having lost rest or being in a disadvantage when it comes to rest, they also have to travel. So you got to account for that taking the better part of a day too. So Dallas is going to be behind the eight ball in a lot of ways, even though I think that they are a tougher test than the Buccaneers would end up being. I mean, I, I just... You hate to see Tom Brady's potential career come to a close. <laughs> Although you never really know based on the last 25 years. I it, it does kind of feel like, Mark, unless he can find a landing spot to his liking, I, I, I just don't know if he's going to be willing to come back to take this kind of beating over again because like, he just looked like a scarecrow back there today against Dallas. and. Any team that has some semblance of a pass rush that can beat you with four or that has multiple guys that can get into the backfield like the Dallas Cowboys do and obviously like the San Francisco 49ers do, I just don't see how Tom Brady or other teams are going to want Tom Brady in their midst because if he's a guy throwing the ball 65 times a game with no running game, uh. even with, as you put it earlier, playoff Lenny in the backfield with him, I, I just don't know how he's going to be able to sell this version of himself unless teams are simply interested in selling tickets. Uh, that was a disgusting season. I so I have I've I know no no one wants to hear about my fantasy football team. No one cares. But by the way, he, I won our league. Way to go! And uh, big <laughs> reason why I didn't was because I bought into the Tampa Bay offense. I uh. I had. Stayed away from Tom Brady since he turned 40. I'd stayed away from all of his weapons because I was worried this was going to be the year that he finally struggles, that he that he finally breaks down. And, of course, I'd been wrong every single year on that bet. bet. And then this year, I drafted Leonard Fournette. I drafted Mike Evans. I drafted an injured Chris Godwin and stashed him on my bench. 
So I was forced because of my decisions in fantasy football to watch every single Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And Evan, every second I wanted to, you know, rip my eyes out. That's how ugly and terrible and disgusting that offense was all season long. Uh, so I am with you. I'm not so sure that that Tom Brady is, I don't know, good enough in his own eyes to come back. You get the sense that he's not a guy who who wants to play if he's not going to be good. He's too proud. Uh, he he wants to be good and he wants to be competitive and he wants to have a chance to win. So we'll see uh, how it all plays out for Tom Brady and his future. But I'm with you. I'm not sure he is good enough in his own eyes personally to warrant, uh, you know, another year. Maybe he sees it. it it's time to hang him up finally and, and he'll ride off into the sunset after another playoff appearance, albeit a short one. I think he is just manically competitive enough to convince himself that he is good enough to continue <laughs> playing at this level. But again, I do think he's at a point where obviously he needs a lot around him to be successful. And I mean, he won the Super Bowl two years ago. That is quite an accomplishment at his age. No one has done that at the level that he was playing. But I just don't see a team at this point that's going to be willing to take a flyer. I mean, we were talking two months ago about how maybe him and San Francisco would be right for each other. Of course, <laughs> with Jimmy Garoppolo still as the quarterback at that time, that that plane is off the ground and that plane is not coming back. And so if you're just looking at potential landing spots that check every single box that Tom Brady, I think, would want, I, I just don't see very many out there outside of potentially Tampa Bay. And I don't even know if they would want him back based on the way things ended. So it'll be interesting to keep track of. Yeah. It will be. I mean, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. I still think some a team like the Saints might be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you throw in yeah. a team like the Colts. I mean, even the Raiders potentially could be an option. I don't know if he wants to go to Vegas. We talked about that as well. We'll be keeping an eye on it, certainly, uh, throughout the offseason, and we'll talk about it with you here on the 415ers. Quick but... hitter, Mark. Quick hitter. Who would you rather have, Tom Brady or Derek Carr? At this stage in their careers, I it kind of feels sacrilegious to say, but I think Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with you. We may be eating those words in about six months <laughs> to 12, but yeah. we'll see. Uh, either way, the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys are going to meet on Sunday, January 22nd, 3.30 kick from Levi Stadium in the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network three times a week with 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Granny with you as always. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so obviously the Cowboys, in, in our opinions, present a more difficult matchup than Tampa Bay. We have seen the 49ers put together the most, I, I would say, even though Dallas won going away against Tampa and it wasn't very close, I, I would say with what San Francisco did in the second half, to me established a level of dominance that not even Dallas put together in that first half yeah. um, going up by 24. So you essentially get the two you know, best teams that played in wildcard weekend, the two better looking teams from wildcard weekend. But Mark, you know, if we're looking at or reorganizing our hierarchy of who should be favored for the Super Bowl with what the Niners did, I do believe they have a seat at the table. And just taking a look at the betting odds right now from Vegas Insider, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the favorites at three to one. And then second would be the Buffalo Bills at about three and a half to one from what I'm looking at. And the San Francisco 49ers are the favorites in the NFC ahead of Philadelphia. I don't know if you have the same lines, but it appears from most of the ones that I'm looking at, SF is favored over Philly. Do you believe it should be so? And do you believe that they should be favorites even more to win the Super Bowl? I think I'm at the point where they're my favorite to come out of the NFC. It's really interesting that the two favorites are both in the AFC because the way it works out, only one of those teams can advance. 
to the Super Bowl. I, I guess that tells you that Vegas thinks either of those two teams are better than the NFC representative, whoever it is. Um, but Evan, I feel like that's wrong. I think the Niners should at worst, you know, have the second best odds to win the Super Bowl right now. Whether you think that Kansas City is better, whether you think that Buffalo is better, and, and maybe after the poor display that Buffalo put on this past weekend against the Dolphins, led by Skylar Thompson, maybe you think that's Kansas City. But I think behind those guys, it should be the San Francisco 49ers. Who is playing better football right now across the entire NFL, Kansas City included, than the San Francisco 49ers? They just wiped the floor with a decent, a good Seattle Seahawks team. Certainly not a great Seattle Seahawks team, but they wiped the floor with them. And I know they were at home and I know this is a team they've already handled relatively easily two times. But that was a dominant win. And to your point, we haven't seen a team be nearly as dominant as that. You can maybe talk about the Cowboys who who won 31 to 14 over the Buccaneers, and it really wasn't that close. They were they were pretty good as well, but that was more of a hapless Buccaneers team than the Seahawks were hapless when they took on the 49ers. So I don't know how you feel, Evan, but I think the Niners should be at worst the you know the second favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. I'm that confident in their ability to go into Philadelphia if needed and pick up a win. And who knows, knock off whoever the AFC representative is. I think the Niners have earned that right at this point of the year. They are playing the best football of any team in the NFL right now. But Mark, one of the reasons why we both thought that Dallas would be able to handle Tampa Bay is because of the totality of the season and because of what we've seen over the course of 18 weeks, not just 17. Now, if you want to say that the 49ers season started when they got Christian McCaffrey or when they got Brock Purdy, I'm willing to hear you. But one thing that I have noticed in recent weeks, and I know the Raiders game is maybe not a great example because there were a lot of factors around that, but the defense has looked a lot more mortal to me And I do also just think against the type of offenses that make the playoffs, that get to the division, and eventually the Final Four and even the Super Bowl are offenses that I'm not sure if this 49ers defense is going to be able to dominate the way they have dominated a lot of the bottom feeders they have this year that have created a number one defense. I think they have the tools to, but as we saw in the first half on Saturday, when Geno Smith had some time when the run game was productive. He was able to find DK Metcalf and to the point with some help from the 49ers, earn his team a halftime lead. That scares me a little bit. And I have not seen what Philadelphia is right now with Jalen Hurts, but I have to imagine with the amount of injuries that they've sustained, including at the quarterback position, the bye should help them. I also believe that Kansas City should be the number one team no matter what, just because I think they have had the best year and they have the best player in the playoffs. I don't quite get the Buffalo Bills being the second team right now overall. I would understand in the AFC, although I still think Cincinnati should be much closer than they are. They're the fifth favorite right now overall. But to me, San Francisco ever so slightly would be number two in the NFC behind Philadelphia to me, and that's only because I haven't seen the Eagles yet and I also believe that what the Philly did, what, what the Philadelphia Eagles did this year, combined with hopefully that health and that buy getting them healthy, gives them a bit more of an edge. Because also we've seen their division get deep into the playoffs. Yeah. That means that they have played a significantly tougher slate than the 49ers have, and they still ended up with a better record. So I I hope it doesn't come off as sounding disrespectful. But San Francisco is playing the best ball of any team right now. I think Philadelphia has played the best ball overall this season. And that's why if we're talking about 1 and 1A, I would put the birds above the 49ers. Interesting. I Obviously, this whole conversation relies on the health of Jalen Hurts. And as you mentioned, it's kind of up in the air right now. It seemed pretty clear to me that if they had locked up the number one seed before week 18, Evan, Jalen Hurts would not have seen the field. He played yeah. not near 100% because the Eagles knew how valuable that buy was. And, you know, they're right about that. Of course, you want the buy. 
not only because it guarantees you, you know, a spot in the divisional round, it guarantees you home games as long as you keep winning before the Super Bowl, uh, but it also gives you uh, and your team a chance to get more healthy. So we really don't have the, the right answer to this question until we know more about Jalen Hurts. But week 18, as I said, it was clear he was not 100%. He was refusing to run whether or not he could have or if it was just an order from above telling him, hey, Jalen, stay in the pocket. Don't get more injured. I'm not so sure there. But I think there's a real possibility that even after a week off, and I'm sure he's taking it as easy as he possibly can while you know making sure he's he's staying in it and not getting rusty, there's a chance he's still not the full Jalen Hurts that we saw for, for most of the year come a divisional round against – uh, you know, a fellow division opponent in the New York Giants who are a physical team who will try to make it tough on him. And and we'll see how it all plays out. The Eagles certainly will be favored as they should be at home. But that's not going to be a walk in the park game either. And I think at that point, even before we get a result, we'll have a better idea of what Jalen Hurts looks like. And if he's able or willing to use his legs more to take a hit here or there, because that's what made him such an incredible weapon, not just that he could run, but that he was willing to run and take on tacklers. And with his insane strength and really underrated strength, you know, gain extra yards and drive defenders forward and and pick up first downs and pick up touchdowns. That's what made him and that offense so tough to slow down. So we will see, I think, early in that divisional round game against the Giants, how he looks, how healthy he is. And, and that'll certainly give us a better idea at, at where the Niners might stand in a potential NFC title game if both teams do advance. But that's the big question right now. Um, now, without a doubt, they're certainly the, the one and two. The, the Cowboys are the three and, and the Giants a distant fourth in the NFC. But so much still rides on the health of Jalen Hurts. And if he's even a tick below his normal self, that could be the difference in in the Niners heading to the Super Bowl or losing in the NFC title game to uh to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. So so that's the the big if, of course, right now. Uh, but regardless, I still think the Niners have, have a very good chance. Yeah, and look, I think they're very comparable teams. And that's why I do think that this Dallas matchup, even though is going to be more difficult than playing Tampa Bay, I do think in a way, if San Francisco obviously can survive the divisional round and get to the conference title game, will help them because in many ways, one, I think that San Francisco and Dallas have similar teams. I also think that the top three teams are all built now, if you include Brock Purdy, kind of similarly. And then they have semi-mobile quarterbacks that are the driving forces of them scoring points. They all can run the ball. They all have pretty good offensive lines, although we'll see about Dallas. I know they lost Jason Peters at the tail end of the game against Tampa Bay. The Eagles lost Lane Johnson late late in the season. So left tackle is a bit of a compromised position for both those groups. But San Francisco will get a look at what I believe, if you just look at the entire season, to be kind of a Philly light in a way in Dallas. And so if you're getting a, a good look at the type of team in the NFC East, in the best division in football that you have to beat prior to going on the road to having to beat the best team so far this year in the NFC, you know, as far as record is concerned, I do think that would benefit the 49ers, even though it may be a taller hill that you're going to have to climb. Yeah. We'll see how it all plays out. By the way, I, I was just looking through a few different books online. Uh, Niners, Cowboys, what I saw opened up at uh, Niners minus four and a half. Um now, usually, I feel like that's pretty fair. That's that's probably pretty fair. Normally, the way it works, uh, a team like the Cowboys, they're a very public team. There's a lot of people always ready to, to bet the Cowboys. So maybe the, the real line, if this was, say, you know, the same players on a different team, not not named the Cowboys, maybe the Niners would be favored by, by a, a whole nother point. Uh, we'll see where, where the line does move. Uh, if I was forced to make a pick right now, I'd probably take Niners minus four and a half. I know we'll we'll talk about picks on our on our preview episode coming up on Friday. But interesting that the line may be a little bit closer than I was initially suspecting. I, I think that probably has to do with the fact that Dallas looked really good on Monday night. Um, but we'll see how, how it all how it all works. Um, in terms of the Niners 
and the Super Bowl, I do think there is, when we talk about Super Bowl odds, the fact that they do have to go through a Cowboys team is something that is probably depressing their odds just a little bit because let's say Minnesota won, Evan, and the Niners were taking on the Vikings. Yeah. Niners are probably favored by more over the Vikings than they are over the Cowboys. If it was four and, and a half for Dallas, I'm guessing that opening line for Minnesota would be a touchdown at least. Yeah, maybe six and a half, seven, something like that. I think you're probably right. Um, and then we would have probably seen different uh, different Super Bowl odds because even just a tougher opponent in a divisional round is enough to depress odds just slightly enough that that maybe it drops you down a bit. So that certainly has something to do with it. The fact that the the Eagles have that, at least on paper, the easier matchup probably helps their odds a little bit as well. And I, and I know we're kind of just getting into the nitty gritty of how Vegas tries to to set these things up. But I mean, they're right more often than not. So the fact that they have, generally speaking, Niners slight favorites over the Eagles in the conference is interesting considering the divisional matchups probably a little more difficult on the 49ers than the Niners have to go on the road to Philadelphia most likely. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I do think it's, I don't think it's insignificant that that Vegas thinks the Niners have the edge over the Eagles. I think it tells you a lot about how the perception is nationwide about the 49ers. They just seem like a machine on both sides of the ball that, that can't be slowed down. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely give you that. I mean, they have been a freight train uh, the last 11 weeks. I mean, they, they've been phenomenal. One thing, I, I don't know if you caught this, Mark, but I'm pretty sure that with this game in Tampa Bay going final, as we're recording on Monday night, you'll be hearing this on Tuesday morning, that every single game from Super Wild Card Weekend went over. Uh, so it, I guess it depends when you bet. I saw that uh, the the over one of the overs I saw for the Cowboys Buccaneers game was forty five and a half. The game closed at forty four thanks to all of Brett Maher's missed extra points. So I guess it depends at what numbers you're looking at. But I know the first five one hundred percent did basically anywhere you look, and, and probably depending when you bet the Monday night game could have went over, could have went under. Uh, but yeah, overs, if you bet overs just blindly on all of the wild card games, you came out on the positive side with a, with a lot of money. So congratulations. Uh, it's not the way the season has gone. The under has been the way to make money in the regular season, but so far not the case in the postseason. Okay. No, that's my, that's my bad. It was the, so the line by Caesars at game time at kick was 45 and a half. I saw 44 and a half earlier and it finished 31, 14. So right in the middle at 45, if you got so 44, slightly 44 off and there. A half, <laughs> if you got 44 and a half, congrats. That was a sweat, but a, a last minute touchdown for Tampa Bay. Got you the over. I personally, Evan, I had the over in the second half and that hit on that last touchdown as well. So, I got that one in, which is uh, a nice a nice consolation prize for the fact that, that the Cowboys advanced. I don't bet outside the month of March. So for those of, the, <laughs> for those of you wondering out there, uh, Mark Graney is the degenerate of the program. I also got this, a Dalton yep. Schultz anytime touchdown. That hit. He had two touchdowns. I should have bet two, Evan. I just bet you one, but I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, you should get greedy, Mark. That's the way to go. <laughs> Double down, triple down, put it all on black or whatever the people say in Vegas. Uh uh, this program is the 415ers brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 195.7 The Game. You can follow Mark on social at Mark Randy, Mark with a C, Randy with an I. I'm on social at egettings10, at 415ers across social media platforms. Download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. Okay, so I do think that one of the reasons we're talking about should the 49ers be considered Super Bowl favorites, I believe they should not. Mark believes they should be the favorites in the NFC, but really the reason, the driving force behind this question, and the reason why I think Vegas even has them above Philly in the NFC is because of how damn good the offense has looked for the 49ers. And so maybe if you feel like the previous question was a bit unfair, a bit, uh, you know, juiced so to speak if we're taking if we're talking betting terms this question i do believe is one that is a little more down the middle which is for those of you listening do the 49ers have the best offense remaining in the nfl playoffs at the end of super wild card weekend they scored the most total points of any team that played 
41. It was a season high. Brock Purdy scored a total of four touchdowns. The team looked like it could not be stopped in the second half, rattling off 25 unanswered points against Seattle. And now they face a Dallas defense that, albeit much better, still I'm not sure is going to be able to slow down this 49ers defense because really no one has since Brock Purdy has taken over as the full-time starter. So Mark, to that question of the 49ers having or not having the best offense remaining in the NFL playoffs, you say what? I think they do. Uh, This is a difficult question because there is sort of a, I don't know what the white right word is and an, an energy and an uneasiness when you're going against a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, he's just special. And when you factor that in, maybe you're more scared of Kansas city's offense as a unit because of just the unknown of what Patrick Mahomes might, you know, grab out of his bag and, and what trick he might play on you. Cause he's just that special. But when you consider the offense as a whole, Evan, I think the 49ers are the most dominant, the most versatile, the most tough to to game plan for. And they put a defense in knots unlike any other team still alive and any other team in the entire league for that matter. I think this 49er offense is just hell to play against. There was a, a play, you know, against the Seattle Seahawks where Debo Samuel lined up in the backfield on the right hip of Brock Purdy. And this was down near the end zone. And they had Christian McCaffrey in the left slot. They brought McCaffrey across in motion. And you can just see the whole defense. Oh, my God. McCaffrey's in motion. We have to cover him. And you can see like three guys, including both linebackers, move with McCaffrey across the formation. Didn't even give him the ball. That was never the plan to give McCaffrey the ball. Just clear out some space in the middle of the field, and it opened things up. And and I don't know if they scored on that play, but they got really close to scoring on that play. That's just one example. This Niners offense, because of their weapons and how versatile all all their weapons are and everything they force an opponent to think about, I think they are the best offense remaining in the NFL. And what I can guarantee They're the most difficult team to game plan for defensively left in the postseason. No other team in the entire NFL makes things more difficult on a defensive group than these 49ers. That is true, has been true, especially when it comes to turning over other teams. When it comes to the offense, I think that it's hard for me to call any offense better when one has Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. But if Brock Purdy was to ever make a case for him being not the best overall quarterback in the playoffs, but the perfect quarterback for the right offense, I think this would be it because he has everything around him necessary to be successful. And he has clearly unlocked everyone at the right time. And it's not all in the same game. I know we talked to, it was, I forget which week they were down in Mexico City, but how you know everyone ate that day on offense. George Kittle had a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, like everyone ate that day when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. Well, everyone has not ate every single week when Brock Purdy's been the quarterback, but it's been a rotating cast of characters as far as who dominates on a given day. On the first game in the playoffs, it was Debo Samuel. It was Christian McCaffrey. George Kittle had gotten a lot of touches the few weeks prior in the regular season. Brandon Ayuk obviously finished with 1,000 yards. He finished down the stretch very effectively. Elijah Mitchell getting back in the mix, coming off of injury. You are looking at so many different players for this offense that Brock Purdy can pick and choose from and seems to do it with an expert level that we have not seen. And it is not easy. I, I know we talk about how the, the offense is you know humming because there's so many pieces. It's not easy to feed all of these mouths, and yet Brock Purdy seems to pick the right ones at the right times. As much as guys are running all over the field wide open, it is incumbent on the quarterback to hit those guys when he needs to and identify where he needs to go with the football. I have seen him do that at what seems like a near flawless rate despite some mistakes and a couple of mishaps that have not cost the 49ers. If you're asking me if the 49ers have the best offense remaining in the playoffs, I cannot say they're better than Kansas City because Kansas City has done it the entire year. But what I can say is this offense, 
and we have not seen Kansas City play yet, is playing at a high level that rivals that of the Chiefs based on the way that Brock Purdy has elevated this offense in the past seven weeks, having scored now 30 or more points in six of the last seven. He right now has this offense playing at a level that I believe can compete with Kansas City. So they may not be the best, but they are at least in second place if you're talking about the offense playing the best football and the quarterback right now playing the best. That's fair. Yeah, and I think maybe if you had this conversation even last week before the wild card round, maybe you would say, well, hey, what about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills? I know they put up, what, 30-plus points in that game, but, man, it was an ugly game for Buffalo. Josh Allen, you know, an incredible player, but, man, the way he turns over the ball, that's going to prove to be an issue at some point in the postseason. Maybe he plays the, the best three games of his life here coming up and he wins the Super Bowl. We will see, but but that's certainly an issue. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's between the Niners and Kansas City at this point. Philadelphia, when they're fully healthy and rolling, they're a pretty good offense as well, but I think the Niners – are a little bit more dynamic. And something that Kyle Shanahan said on his Monday conference call with the media when asked about Brock Purdy and, and how he's playing, Shanahan, Shanahan excuse me, said something along the lines of, you know, I think Brock and I see things really similarly. Um, and we've, we've talked a lot about Kyle Shanahan, and we've kind of jokingly called him a genius. And in the past, you know, why isn't your offense as good as some of, you know, the other offenses in the NFL, if you are this preeminent football mind offensively, why does your offense not look like it? And, you know, Shanahan fans, most of them would answer, well, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's the one holding them back. Jimmy Garoppolo fans or people that weren't as high on Kyle Shanahan would say, well, he's not a genius. He's not that good of an offensive play caller. But maybe simply he just didn't have a quarterback, and this is not a shot at Jimmy at all. He was, won so many games with the 49ers. But maybe simply he has just found a quarterback that is a better fit for his system and what he wants to do. And now we're finally seeing the Kyle Shanahan dream offense, you know, at its full potential. And Shanahan is now living up to kind of that genius moniker that got thrown around so often for him, fairly or not. Um, and you have to credit him and you have to credit Brock Purdy and, and Kyle Shanahan and the front office for putting this team together. Uh, but certainly this is the best that an, a Niners offense has ever looked under Kyle Shanahan. And I mean, with a rookie quarterback, maybe there's room for improvement, which is scary enough to say. Um, but I, I think I'm with you on the fact that this team is is playing as good offensively as any other. But I think I'd go just a step further than you and say, period, they are the best offense in the NFL. At least still alive in the NFL right now. Yeah, I I I I, I can't pick a team over Kansas City. But what I will say is this offense to me is humming the way that and I hope that this season does not end the way that the season I'm about to bring up did. But like the 2016 Atlanta Falcons looked when Kyle Shanahan was calling plays for them because Matt Ryan, outside of that season, an MVP season, by the way, was a relatively comparable, you know, fair, good, content, sometimes above average quarterback. But that season, when he had all of his weapons clicking and when Kyle Shanahan got into a rhythm over the course of weeks and months, that offense was unstoppable up until, of course, Tom Brady in the second half took over and the Falcons collapsed. That's the type of momentum it feels like this 49ers offense has. The only difference between that team and the Falcons team is you also have a number one defense on the other side. So I do feel like there's a lot of confidence and momentum right now with this team that was not seen under whether it be a previous quarterback, a previous year, a previous set of you know, coordinators for Kyle Shanahan. And we're going to get to one in just a moment that might be on his way out. But I do think if you want to say that this is the best that a Kyle Shanahan offense has ever looked, I I cannot refute that because yeah. this this team is absolutely loaded and it feels like they are finally doing their talent justice with the amount of points they're putting up on the board. Yeah, well said. I agree. And we were talking before, you know, recording this episode and 
trying to figure out what exactly we wanted to hit on today. And I wanted to talk about this because, you know, all the talk around this team, at least a lot of it, this whole season has been, well, they have the best defense in the NFL. Nick Bosa is the defensive player of the year. But you look at the numbers recently and not saying the defense has been bad. Obviously, they didn't have their best game uh, against the Raiders in week 17. Um, They had a relatively bad first half against the Seahawks to start the postseason. But you look at the numbers recently and the offense has been, you know, the more impressive unit and on a team that has, you know, the best defensive side in the entire league and everyone basically agrees with that whether you think the Niners have the best offense second best offense third best offense hell even fourth or fifth best offense you pair that with the best defense in the NFL and you have a team that should get to the Super Bowl I mean that's just the reality of it and I thought it was an interesting conversation because so much of this season has been focused on how great the defense is but now suddenly you also have an elite offense and it's all coming together at the right time. It is. And that's what it's all about. I mean, every team that wins the Super Bowl every single year is playing the best football of any team. And right now the Fort Anners can certainly make that case. Uh, speaking of the defense, there was some news this week that we have to at least, you know, get out to the people, make sure that they know, which is D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator for that number one unit in the NFL that we've been discussing is scheduled interview with four teams before Sunday's game. So the Indianapolis Colts became the fourth team this week, entering the mix for D'Amico Ryan. The Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, and Arizona Cardinals previously received permission to speak with D'Amico Ryan's. I'm not sure if he's going to want any of these certain spots, although you can never, like he's only 38 years old. I'm sure he's going to have another opportunity if he wants. And it would be hard pressed for someone to turn down a head coaching job that will be as highly sought after as someone like D'Amico Ryan's, but it just goes to show Mark that I think, I mean, you honestly said it probably week four or five. I I didn't come around maybe until midway through the season, but uh, D'Amico Ryan's, if he so chooses is not going to be with this team next year. No, he will get an offer. Uh, I think what, there are five openings right now. The four you mentioned that he is interviewing with Broncos, Colts, Texans, and Cardinals. And then you can throw in, the Panthers there. So they're the only opening that uh, isn't currently scheduled to interview D'Amico Ryan's. He will probably get an offer. The Texans are one to keep an eye on. He might not want to go there, but of course he played for the Texans and had some pretty successful seasons there. So he's obviously familiar with that organization and that city. Maybe, you know, he's drawn to that just for his past um, if you're looking at maybe the best situation, uh, I, I, I don't know the the Colts. Yeah, maybe, I mean the, the Broncos have a good defense. If he's looking at defenses, it's the Broncos. Uh, but because they have a over the hill Russell Wilson tied up to all their money for the future, that might be tough to win in the future. The Cardinals are going to be a mess at the very least in 2023. Uh, we, we know the Texans. I mean, they're going to have the second overall pick this year. The Colts had a very bad year, but they might be the best option of, of that group of four. But what's interesting is he's going to have four interviews this week, Evan, when the team is preparing for the Dallas Cowboys. This is a huge matchup that's going to take a lot of time for D'Amico Ryans. And I'm, it's not on him. It's the way that the NFL sets this thing up. They should not allow teams that are out of the postseason to interview coaches of teams that are still alive uh it it takes away from potential preparation time for those guys that are still in the postseason and again i'm, I'm not saying D'Amico ryan's is going to i don't know instead of prep he's going to go on this interview probably a zoom or a skype with the the colts i'm not saying that but your mind is elsewhere a little bit you're interviewing with four teams before you, sunday when you're taking on the Cowboys, it's kind of unfortunate the way that it plays out. You have a, a great season. You have a great candidate. Your team does. And then they get pulled away midweek while you're trying to prepare for a game uh, to, to see if they might fit with some other team. So we'll see how it all works out. I'm probably making a bigger deal of it than it actually is. But it's just kind of unfortunate. 
Yeah, to which coordinator is not allowed to interview until after the season over, I say boo-hoo. I mean, that's just the that's that's the rules. Like you gotta open up your head coaching position. Some teams do it quicker than others, and teams want to pounce. So whether they be official or unofficial, teams would figure out who they want as their head coach. Maybe. I think immediately after those vacancies become available. Uh also, you got two days of you got two days rest advantage. So D'Amico <laughs> Ryan's I, I don't see a problem with that at all. I think he's locked and loaded for Dallas, and he's just going to sneak in Houston. He's going to sneak in Arizona. He's going to sneak in those other two teams, and they're going to fit around his schedule. For all we know, they could be five-minute conversation, and, seen, and he says, hey, this is who I want, the number two or number three or number four overall pick. If you don't want that, well, then I'm walking. So who knows? All I'm going to say is, and I – uh, obviously, I don't expect this to happen. I'm, uh, I don't think it's going to, and I don't want it to happen. Uh, what if the Cowboys come out and put 31 points on the 49ers? Let's say that happens. There well, will... then it's a good thing that he interviewed this week. <laughs> <laughs> there will be talk. There will be talk about how he had four interviews and it took away from his preparation. I guarantee you that would happen. 100%. That might be from one half of the four one fivers, but one the other half will not be having that. I can guarantee <laughs> it, because I do not believe. I mean, that's just how the world works. And if you can't multitask and you can't operate under a tight deadline, Dimico Ryan's is in the position that he is in because he can do more than interview with four teams in a single week, in a game week, yeah. in a week that matters. And his team's going to be ready no matter what. So I, I think the other factor and. You know, I I'm, I say this completely seriously. It's unfortunate the way that it has played out in the past for African American head coach or potential head coaches in the NFL. Uh, I mean, Eric Bieniemy of the Kansas City Chiefs has seemed like he's deserved a head coaching job for years and hasn't gotten one. Uh, the way that the whole Brian Flores situation worked out in Miami when he was a head coach and got let go. There's a number of examples. Of course, there is the Rooney Rule, which for every head coach opening. You have to interview and consider at least one coach of color. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, of course, is an African-American man, so he is a way for teams to you know, oblige with the Rooney rule. I'm not saying that that's why he's being interviewed. He's being interviewed because he is a really quality candidate, uh, but also when there is a quality candidate like that, you can guarantee just about that he's going to be interviewed by almost every single opening because it allows teams to, to, you know, comply with that rule. So we'll keep an eye on how it all plays out, and we'll talk about it on the 415ers. Uh, he certainly deserves a head coaching job, and as you mentioned, I think, early at the top, if he wants one, he will get an offer, and he will not be the Niners' D.C. next year. I think it's just ultimately a question of if he wants to at this point, or maybe if he wants to wait another year and wait for a, a better potential option. Yeah, and ultimately, ultimately, in that case, a matter of time, um, the Brian Flores situation is uh, a, a deep dive at best. And I think that I have a few theories on Eric Bianmi as to, as to why he's still an offensive coordinator, but we do not have the time. Maybe we can bring it up over the, over the summer when D'Amico Ryan's inevitably gets some looks for a head coaching position, but that's all the time we have Mark. And that is another edition of the four one fivers podcast on the spot on the Odyssey sports podcast network three times a week. I know it's a bit staggered this week with a Sunday, Tuesday, and then Friday episode, but we will get back on track next week because the 49ers play the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday at three 30 from Levi stadium. So we'll be coming at you shortly thereafter, but Mark, I'm looking forward to this preview episode. It's Dallas Cowboys week officially, and it's a big game for the 49ers either way. Yep. Second year in a row. They beat the Cowboys in Dallas last year. Now they get them back at home in Santa Clara. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, Evan. All right. That's it for the 415ers podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you next time.